God, we just come down before you in the name of Jesus. Pray right now, God, for the heavy spirit that is in this place. I am not blind. I am not fooled, God, by the spiritual things that are in this place right now. So, God, in the name of Jesus, God, I speak freedom to people. I speak, God, to the person who is in emotional bondage today. Due to the trying of time and life. I pray, God, that this word will set somebody free today. For God, we come knowing that we need you. But what some of us need to be reminded of, as Carl said, is that you thought I was worth something. You thought I was worth dying for. And so you came and gave your life. So God, right now we say thank you. God, as I prepare to preach, I pray that you can remove Roderick out of the way. So that the truth that is in your word can be heard and seen. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. 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 A couple of things before I get into my sermon. One of them, we have a traditional church, I gotta find windows of time and make acknowledgement. That's how I'm doing announcements. 2018. But you, I see you still need to do announcements in church. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's a great week for us at the conference. Miss um, Ava was born this week. Yeah. Uh, she is back there. It's funny how black church folks think. You talk about death, everybody emotional. You talk about good stuff. I I said a child was born. By the name of Ava. And I was able to hold her. And she woke up and I came. And Nala tried to steal my shine. But it was, a, it was a blessing. But then the big thing happened. I just got to shout about it. Because I, I told Teresa, I'm, I'm putting. Roche on notice and Martavius, the clock clock is on you. Because this is what happened this week, y'all. This is when my shot come in. My friend got And so I am, I am great. Me and Mama Baker, we happy. You saw the video. You know that I didn't get out of time and break his wife. I just jumped in the front. Like, hey, that's my dog. I was like, hey. He, he, he is a, he like so many in the comments. Living epistles. Uh, we are we are really watching God do some stuff in people's lives. If you ever get time to talk for an hour, for those of you that feel like you can't forgive and 
move on to love. I need you to talk to him. But then, what's your song? What's your song that's like, I can tell you, but I need them to hear your testimony. I don't even need them to talk to you. What's that song called? What's that? Your song, girl? Come on. All the way. All the way. Thank you, Nada. Nada knows the song. During the day, he proposed to her. You want to know who she is? Listen to this song by Levity called All the Way. Girl, I listened to it after we had been proposed. Girl, I cried. Girl, I was like, Jesus. I was like, won't he do it? Won't he do it? I'm sorry. So I'm happy. I'm happy. We, 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 we have had life happen in this place with all of the tragedies that we have experienced to, to experience life we need to celebrate that amen. Amen. amen amen go to Genesis third chapter um, DJ I know I gave you more than that but for the sake of time and because of the holiday I'm really just going to ride on one verse but I am, for all of my deep theological folks, I'm going to be accurate in my exegete. But, but Genesis 3, verse 7, is where I really just want to state my claim. And uh, I'm sorry, verse 6, not 7, verse 6. And I want to um, read it from the Amplified Version. I put on my old man glasses and I thought I was going to be able to face it and read it. I couldn't. <laughs> Genesis 3 and 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, Amplified Version says, suitable and pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, in a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of it. She took of his fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband, and he ate. But Simonic thought, I want to do it with a simple choice. A simple choice. As we are looking at this series called The Simple Life, I realize that there are just some driving ideas that are out there. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, everyone bends their knee to something. Everyone worships. The question isn't whether we worship, but what we worship. And God being God, one of the things that we have to be mindful of is the spirit of idolatry. Because it's alive and well in 2018. This is how you know you are a person who practices idolatry. Three simple signs. One is that there's a lust of the flesh. There's a lust of your eye. And there's a pride of life. If you find yourself captivated by what you see, if you find yourself consumed by what makes you feel a certain way, if you find yourself battling with the word of God because what you want for your life means more than you are practicing idolatry. And that's not an easy conversation for us to have with church folks. Because most church folks are like, no, I go to church, property. 
I believe in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of my life. And here is the issue with the Lord of my life part. If he was the Lord, then you would give or you would yield or you would give up whatever it is that he says to you because of his authority. And to do it, though, it's a simple choice. And for a lot of people, though, we struggle with making the choice. God says in Deuteronomy, he says, don't be seduced into worshiping them. Watch what them is in Deuteronomy. Them are the things, watch this, that God created for the purpose of your usage. But see, because the things God makes it so good, it's easy to replace them with God because they're so good. And so when God speaks in the book of Deuteronomy to the audience of Moses, he is saying, even though the stars are beautiful at night, I don't need you to get confused, Jayla, about the importance of the star. Because if you start looking at the star and saying the star is what you need to direct you, then you'll forget that I am the direction. And so God says to his people, he says, don't get caught up in the things that I give you as gifts, as things that are a part of life, because those things are just that. They are a part, but they are not the fulfillment. A part of life. Because in the part that it plays, if you put too much into it, you will find yourself always incomplete. The joy that God promises you will never be fulfilled. You will build your life on stuff, and stuff will be stolen, or it will run out. You will have this void inside of you, and you keep going after accomplishment after accomplishment, car after car, and there's still a void in you. You will walk around driving yourself crazy, trying to understand why am I not truly happy? And it's because these things that are a part of life's gifts are not what God wants you to put your emphasis on. There's an eternal longing that is inside you. David says it best. He says, you said Seek your face. My heart said, thy face will I seek. Everything that God has done in this life came from what he said. And the greatest disservice to God that we as people made in his image do is we disregard what he said. We want to listen to everything and everybody else to shape our lives. When the one who spoke life into existence is the true authority to how you and I should be. Out of that comes those individuals who carry great despair when tragedies happen. When you look at this series, this series of suicides lately, I want you to pay attention to the fact that all of those people had money but they had no joy. They say that Tupac's mother died in despair because unlike Biggie's mother, she was not connected to the hope. And so she died in despair. 
because there were no answers for her to who shot her baby. There was nothing in her to fight for the king that she said she gave birth to. That she was convinced that the system that we live in are subjected to had the greater authority to rob her of this thing that she loves. It is all about y'all perception. Here's how crazy we are with the perception. We know Isaiah 54 and 7. Let me do a wrong check. Who can tell me what Isaiah 54 and 7 says? Charles. No, Isaiah 54 and 7. Isaiah 54 and 7. All my smart body people, you can go ahead and be the smart person in the room. Isaiah 54 and 7. Huh? Oh, it's 17. Thank you, Rosa. Charles, I messed up. My team didn't put a one before seven. He's smarter than me. Thank you, Rosa. You could have came on the side and kicked. Let me fix that down in my notes. See, I'm human. Y'all can't even talk about me. Oh, I said, what is that? It says what, somebody? 17, what? Okay. Here, here's what God says in Isaiah 54. He says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I was off. Shut up completely. Let me get back on track. In God being God, the plan that He had for you, He was so determined for it not to fail that He said through the prophet Elijah, I mean, through the prophet Isaiah that no matter what comes up against you, it will not hurt you. Now, a person who goes through life that's not familiar with the prophetic word of Isaiah will find themselves in despair because every time they turn around, something has formed. Something in life has happened. What they miss, though, is that whatever transpired in life was not big enough, powerful enough to take you out. While it may have caused you personal pain, while it may have caused you mental stress, the Word of God says that I'm not worried about those things because watch this, while they may form in the plans that I have for you, they cannot prosper over you. Meaning that you have benefit even over tragedy. Meaning that you have shalom in the midst of a storm. And so God in his determination not to let you be without, he says to you and me, don't worry about it. He says, because you are the heritage to me as my servants, he said. He says that you are going to be vindicated because my name is on you. And a lot of times when we go through what we go through, it happens because our perspective fails to realize that God, in calling you into existence, put his name on you the moment that he called you. And I don't know anybody that calls somebody into something that then abandons it after he lets it go. Unless you are an unfit parent, an unreal friend, you can see what I'm saying? Anybody that invests in something, 
anybody that puts something into somebody, they are going to put some time in. They are going to make sure that everything is all right. That's how you know when your marriage is good. Because after he bought the ring, he not only bought the ring, but every time, and I this is what I love about Jamie, this is what I love about y'all marriage. Even after the ring, he still makes sure Jamie okay. And Jamie put it out there for the world to know. Baby, look, baby, bought these today. Baby, I'm riding his car today. Because when he made the investment as a husband, he understood, wait a minute, she wear her name. But then it didn't stop there. He had kids. And the kids walk in. If y'all ever had kids, y'all ain't gonna do what when they come. You, you know they together, but they walk in just like savages. <laughs> the savage savage. Why, bro? Because my name is on them. I'm not sending them into this place looking raggedy. I'm not leaving her in a house with no lights and no food. When somebody loves you for real, they gonna make sure that you are taken care of. And that decision is a simple choice. Yeah. It don't take a lot of degrees. It don't require a whole lot of stuff. You either gonna be there for me or you're not gonna be there for me. You either gonna take care of me or you're not gonna take care of me. Ain't gonna give a thing in your city. And when you say that you love me, love me looks like this. Responsible. Reliable. And, and here's the part where the world messes a lot of us up. Especially those of us that get caught in bad relationship after bad relationship. The moment that joker showed you he wasn't reliable was the moment God was trying to tear you up. But watch this, your perception. Because watch this, in the DNA of who we are as people, we think, Marcus, we can save everybody. Let it be a dude that found the one. And she ain't even the one, she probably half the one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that joker will flat foot pursue it, won't give up on it, will take his mama's grocery money and be like, mama's gonna pay you back in two weeks. And just, I need to really do this for this girl because she, she means the world to me. And then if you doing it, then you find out she ain't got time for it. She too busy. Yeah. I made an investment in you. I tried to show you that I want to be with you. Anybody that loves you for real is going to invest in you. And the investment on their part for you is a simple choice. Because watch this, for those of us that end up on the wrong side of love every time, it wasn't hard for you to. As soon as you saw them, you was ready to love. I just, I love them. <laughs> See how quick it happens? It proved it. Ooh, I gotta love him. He makes me happy. I just, I don't care. I just, every, it's simple. And we make this thing complicated, y'all. We make it complicated. God says to you and me in Exodus 20, he says, I don't need you to put anything before me because I'm the one, watch this, who brought you out of something. If nothing else, your faith in God should be solidified in the fact that he brought you from somewhere that you alone couldn't do. He took care of you in a circumstance in which you could not take care of yourself. Yeah. He says to Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation, you couldn't be a multiplier without me. Yeah. 
He says to the birds and he says to the water, you could not exist if it was not for me. Here's the Father's Day part of this sermon. A real father provides for whom he loves. And watch this, church. This is the part about the father that's really hard to deal with. You got to accept, accept them in their mess. God knew that Adam and Eve were a problem. But yet, when he looked at them, Carlos, the Bible says they were good. How am I good in your eyes, God, when you know in a few minutes I'm going to make a decision that makes me unworthy to be in your righteousness? God's good the way that he looks at you. And this, again, is for whoever you are in a place of despair. God's good when he looks at you is threefold. Mm -hmm. One part of God's good when he sees you is that he sees a physical presentation that pleases him. That's where society messes us up. Because we think in society we know what's cute and not cute. Everything that God created, I don't know who you are. But in God's eyes, you are good. His good says that when I saw you, I was satisfied. Anybody that ever makes you feel like when they look at you, you ain't enough, they are the adversary. They are the one that is against what God called you to be. And instead of you subscribing to their ideas, you need to establish a relationship with the God who saw you in your faults. God created them, the Bible tells you, in his image. Chapter 1 explains to you. And in his image, he gave them blessings. But it's your perspective. If you're walking around and you're feeling like you ain't got enough or you ain't enough, then you have not connected to the God who gave life to you. Because when you know him for real, it ain't no weapon that can form against you that can ever convince you that God ain't with you. You just know it. There is no drug, there is no alcohol that can replace what God is in your life when you know God for real. And that is the part of culture that a lot of us don't want to deal with. The culture will tell you that these things that you medicate with will fix it. Which again is a sign of idolatry because what the green leaf says is that I'm more potent than your God. But everybody in you know who's ever had a good high, you know that after a while, that high gonna leave. That bill still gonna be there. That hurt from whoever hurt you gonna still be lingering in. And God says to you, why are you chasing it? But verse 6, remember what I told you, it said, and she saw. It was a perspective that was presented to her by the adversary. Understand the story. The Bible, those y'all been sent to me, y'all know the story. I ain't got to break it down. But watch this. The Bible tells you in chapter 3. And a serpent came along who was cunning. Yeah. Yeah. He was good at what he did. Yeah. Uh-huh. How many of us are in relationships with people who are good at tearing you down? It's as if they walk, wake up wanting to be the best to, to, to deter and tear that person in your life. How many of us are pursuing opportunities that keep breaking 
bending your will and making you feel less than and not realizing that that ain't the will that God has for you. How many of us are chasing dreams that ain't God's dream for you? The Bible says that he convinced her to look at a tree that was in the middle of the garden that was connected to or side by side with a tree that gave her life. But her, like us, she wanted to do something irrational. The uh, Bible says in verse 3, what it says. And when she saw that the tree was good and suitable and pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise. Here is the irrational part of her idea. This girl thought that this thing would make her wiser than God. When me and you sin, that's the irrational thing that we do. We think in our irrational moment that this thing makes sense. Think about it for a second. All the time you can sin, you do the most craziest stuff to commit the sin. And everything in you rationalizes says you shouldn't do it. That don't, that don't add up. Why, why would you keep doing that to yourself? Why would you? And you just, I don't care. And you make an irrational choice. Just because the adversary in your life, the one that wants this, wants to rob you of your purpose, convinces you that while life has options, the only thing you need to be focused on is being smarter than God. See, y'all don't miss that part. When we sin, here's what we say to God. I'm smarter than you. You you can't tell me that I know what this can do to me. Shoot, I feel it all the time. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And then we act out, we strike out in this action that is so irrational that it confuses not God, but us. Because now in us having this choice that we make that's ignorant, we come back around in insanity to commit the same choice again. We keep subjecting ourselves to people that we know are not healthy relationships that are not beneficial. We keep going around family that don't mean us no good. We keep talking to friends that lie in our faces. And when you think about it, Portia, rationally, who would hang with somebody that means you no good? Who would give up a gift from God for, for a person who wants to steal them of their purpose? If you love me, remember what I said about Mr. Chatter, you will take care of me, not rob me, not deny me, not keep me from a promise that God has for me. You will bless me. Because watch this, you realize that I'm a blessing. Most adversaries to your purpose don't see you as a blessing. And so in them seeing you through the wrong eye, they want to curse you because watch this, they're cursed. He go to part that messes everybody up. The Bible says that this adversary was created by God. When you read your Bible, you understand, Yvette, that that serpent, God, was the one who was with God before they ever showed up. This serpent was talking to God before they ever had a conversation with God. But this serpent, in his diabolical makeup, had enough deception in him to convince her that what God has for you, you don't need. And she believes what he said. 
person who's mad at you. Because watch this. The serpent was mad, Dion, because unlike him, they got mercy. His seat kicked him out of heaven. Their position put them in the garden. How dare God put you in a place and kick me out of a place? And that's where most of y'all get messed up or not going to say, y'all, me and you, we get messed up in our sin because there's such with this reality that there's an enemy who wants to rob you of being in his presence. He don't want you to go to heaven. He don't want you to see the blessings and the benefits of what comes after this earth. And so what he does is he makes you focus on the stuff on Y'all don't understand. She convinced herself that what she was looking at made sense. Let me give y'all an analogy. Give y'all some real life. Y'all know I, I do basketball, right? And I, I was doing my study in it, and I, I just got to be real. I got children as athletes. I train athletes. That's so all I can do is draw from what I know. Doing this study, I found this out, uh, Yvette. Right now in the evangelical church, there's this term happening where individuals like Pastor Matt Chandler are preaching about being gospel-centered. Because when the Met church was given life, they focused on trying to create an environment that was self-serving. And so they started all of these sports programs where all of these kids and these Christian families could be in these sports programs. Well, after a while, the kids got older. And as they got older, the, the older they got, the requirement or the responsibility changed. Because watch this, Curtis. The church could no longer offer the same thing. And so then what happened to the church was that kids start signing up for leads in AAU. Come on now. Come on. Matt Chandler now is at, in front of this congregation of 10,000 every Sunday trying to convince a family who watched this out of 52 Sundays only attends eight. He is trying to convince them that the decision they are making goes against God's will for them and their kids. Well, why do you say that, Well, according to the study, they're putting these kids in, the, in relationship with men who have selfish intentions. They are subjecting them to other athletes who have spirits of lust and perversion. They spend more money on people training them than time and somebody discipling them. And so out of that comes this child that when they're on the road traveling with an AAU team, don't know how to make the godly decision. Because all my mama's ever subjected me to was leads in AAU. I don't have anything to hold on to. Nobody's told me about the one who put in me the blessing. And so instead of me being able to speak blessings and to be fruitful and to multiply in relationships, I'm toxic and I'm dying. Yes. 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 You know, lady, watch this. This is how you know it ain't good for us. I hate to be the bear of bad news. Watch the numbers, Marcus. In America right now, 550,000 kids play basketball. Of that 550,000, only 18 of them, 18,000 of them make it to college. That is 3.4%. That ain't nothing. In America, football has 1 million football players. 
Of the one million, only 73,000 make it. That is only 6.9%. Go another bit further. Track. 600,000 high school students run track. Of that, only 28,000 of them make it to college. That is 4.8%. This idea that our culture said, well, we got to get you here. You got to be your mama's answer to the hood by going and subscribing to these practices and giving yourself to these ways. And the whole culture itself is diabolical. Because there is no acknowledging of God in it. I trained Jordan, and I tell you right now, when I'm training Jordan, I ain't talking about God. I'm trying to get him to turn the corner quick. <laughs> trying to get him to pull up quick. Trying to get him to come off the ground three inches higher. The reality is the recreation does not allow itself to be used for the sake of discipleship. But the culture that the church created tried to convince us that discipleship could happen in practice. That's one of them hard. But we see a certain thing. We see the LeBrons and the Colbys, and we start telling ourselves, that's the way I got to go. That's the thing I got to do. That's the thing I got to be a part of. And it hinders us from truly seeing what's right in front of us, the most important piece, the most important tree. And so we struggle with it. Bible says that Eve saw it and it looked pleasing to her. Yeah. Now, here's the part for all of us that we got to struggle with. How can you see something pleasing knowing that God told you it wasn't no good? Yeah. I'm going to let that marinate. How can you see something good and something that God told you was bad for you? Somewhere in your psyche, you like Eve think you know more than God. And if God is really God in your life, watch this, then everything that he speaks over your life comes without question. That's how you can deal with the fact that maybe you don't believe in God for real. Because a believer in God will submit themselves completely to the authority of God. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. If God is the one who knows the plan, and you are the one that was created for the plan, how can you tell the one who created you in the plan how the plan should work? Yeah. But we, we are smart. We, we so smart that we dumb. And then here's the bad part, y'all. As we honestly, Curtis, look at series of events after events, they would tell you and me, Curtis, that we really just need to trust God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They, they would tell us, because again, y'all, I, I need y'all to be honest for a second. Anybody who has been raised in a dysfunctional house, you know this. If there is no love in the dysfunction that you were raised in, why would you then continue a practice of dysfunction in your relationships that will only give birth to children who have to experience what you experience yeah. that don't make sense? Yeah. 
And you didn't have God in your life when you was a child, but you as an adult come to realize that God is necessary and needed, despite the fact your mama didn't bring you to church, despite the fact your daddy didn't take you to church, God gives you an opportunity to understand that you can still be in the garden regardless to him. The question is, will you choose him? Will you choose the garden? The story in Genesis 3, y'all, is a story of a father who took time to put forth provision and protection for his kids. And his provision and protection for his kids, and this is where the parents and they're going to shout, his kids thought he they knew more. That's the big thing frustrating me with my baby up there, Jack. I'm fighting her. Because I, I try to say stuff and she just, she just, it's always an argument. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, you just want to take them and you just want to just throw them out there like God deal with them. But the reality about God is that if I do that, then I am going against what God has done for me. Yeah. Going back to that word mercy. See, I'm given mercy every day, and God has every opportunity to throw me away, but he chooses not to. And so for me and you, God says that in your relationship with anybody that I created, let my mercy be seen. Live out in my mercy. But the greater challenge Hmm. is that once you start seeing it the wrong way, who around you is going to correct you? Which is the other problem in the story. The Bible says that while she ate, he gave to her. Now two people have forfeited purpose. The one who was convinced to look and watch this, the one who stood there and said nothing. And in him trying to be like a lot of us and fit in when he can get in, he just said, go and give to me. I know I ain't supposed to take it, would If you say That's why the man of God has to be strong in God. When when you got, and I deal with this a lot in marriage counseling, when you got a wife that wants to give more time or for you to give more time to her than to create a balance for the family gives time to God in you, then you should be asking her what's wrong with you. Because even in her, she's not fulfilling her true purpose because when God made her, he made her to help you meet him. At a place, at a time in which you were going to need him the most. But if she is always consuming you, if she is always draining and pulling on you, then how can you ever meet him like you're supposed to? Because now, watch this, you take on the hassle of providing and paying for bills that keep you from being the husband that God called you to be for them. Does that make sense? She got, us on, she got me on a mission, probably, because one, one person said to me, Charles, I just got to get this check, man, Brock. I just, you don't understand, I ain't got time for community, Brock. She, this girl got some needs. She like them shoes, Brock. <laughs> but she's the same person that come in, chopping, lifted holy hands. And then here's what we miss in the conversation. For the people that God has called you to love, you, you confuse the message of God. Because why aren't you pushing me to him? Why aren't you encouraging me to come to know him? If God is all of that to you, then why aren't you making sure that I get what he put in you? That's the thing I love about my mom. One other thing. No matter what she did on a Saturday night, 
Friday is Thursday. Early Sunday morning. And she herself wasn't going all the way to Linwood. She was calling Linwood saying, somebody come get them. And that's what's changed in our culture, y'all. Don't nobody call to get you help no more. Instead, they join you at home. <laughs> well, you don't feel like going to church, Bobby. You know what? I'll be over there about 30. <laughs> yeah, it's your life is hard. What you want to do? You want to grill today? I'm going to pick up something. You know, they made the law legal now. You know what you want me to stop and get stuff? <laughs> and the persons know what God said. But it goes back to the point of my sermon, and I'm done. Yeah. It's a simple choice, y'all. Yeah. I give you this day to choose. This Life or death, blessing yes, or cursing. Yes, and the unfortunate part for both the male and the female in this room is that too many of us choose to curse. Yes. But yet we talk about we want to go to heaven. Yeah. And here's what the Bible tells you about your choice. If you keep choosing wrong, you are going to reveal not to God, but to yourself that what he has for you, you really don't want. I had to come to that reality in my own life. I prayed and asked God to, you know, take care of now. Like, God, just be there for my son. I want to be a good father, blah, blah, blah. Me and the mama ain't together. You know what I'm saying? God still be God, though. Yeah. Could have been like a lot of men and just paid my child support. Because in my selfishness, y'all, I need y'all to understand this. This is my moment of honesty. I am very selfish. I've said it 100,000 times in this place. I need y'all to understand that for real. I'm getting yet working on me. Yeah. But here was the greatest challenge God, with God and me is when he gave me that. I wanted to have the luxury of paying child support and when I want to see them. Yeah. See, in my culture, there are men who pay child support and they ain't worried about seeing their child. Yeah. The conviction of the Holy Spirit said to me, I need you to go back to all them days when you cried because your daddy wasn't me. Not only did he not pay child support, but he wasn't there for you. You think you better than him because you put some money on him. When what you know that he needs to know is that what's more important in his life than money is you. That's God's message to me and you. I don't got to give you stuff for you to know that I love you. The fact that I love you enough to watch this and part in you my spirit should let you know that irregardless of what you go through, I'm with you. But you can't get caught up in what people tell you. You can't get caught up in what people bring to your attention. You got to know his word and understand that in his word, it is infallible. Infallible is a big word that means you can't dispute. God's word is infallible. 
and too many of us are in despair. Because watch this, the story ends this way. When they made the mistake and went against God, they hid from God. What do we do when we sin? We hide from God. What do we do once we hide from God? We want to fix it. The Bible says they start sewing together fig leaves. And here's the other part of it. It don't make sense. It ain't rational. You know every time you try to fix you and your mess, it don't work. But wait a minute. Go back. Think about your mom and me. Every time they try to fix something, it never works. Your marriage ain't working. Then quit trying to put your hands on it and let the one who created marriage fix it. But how does God fix it? You've got to step out of it. How do I step out of it? By making choices day after day after day after day that says, I trust it. It's a simple choice, y'all. Yeah. Everybody on your feet. 